Night Flight has always been a rite of passage, a trip of entertainment discovery old and new, an eye-opening taste of counterculture smoked with timeless jewels of artistic buds. Now, we can finally get closer to that original cable TV experience we've all been missing with Night Flight Plus, an all-access membership to original episodes of Night Flight, as well as a library of hundreds of music documentaries, concert movies, sci-fi and horror cult films, public access rarities, and more weird stuff. Right now, Wastoids listeners can get $10 off an annual membership. That means access to Night Flight's library for only $29.99 a year. Head to www.nightflightplus.com backslash promo code and enter Wastoids in all caps. That's W-A-S-T-O-I-D-S in all caps. Enter promo code Wastoids at nightflightplus.com backslash promo code and get back in the days. This is Wastoids. This is Wastoids. This is Wastoids. This is Wastoids. Hey, this is Jason, and you're listening to Wastoids. We're hanging out with Dead Kennedys guitarist East Bay Ray to discuss the forthcoming remastered edition of Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. Featuring a sonic once over by Chris Lord Algae, whose credits include everyone from Prince and Madonna to Green Day and My Chemical Romance, this new 40th anniversary edition also features essays and quotes from Billy Joe Armstrong, Dave Grohl, and Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses. The new edition provides a fresh angle on this enduring classic, and the decades have done nothing to diminish its anti-establishment screeds. Okay, here's Ray to explain how it went down. I've always thought that that Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables is a great-sounding record on its own. Um, what inspired the decision to uh, to remix and remaster it? Well, actually, it was Cherry Red Records' uh, idea, Cherry Red Records in London's idea. And to be honest, um, we were very skeptical about it because new mixes, you know, you know, have a, well, like, there's a lot of prejudice against them. <laughs> and, and we had that prejudice. Uh, I guess that's a little too negative. Um, no, it's, you don't have to worry about being too negative. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Oh, really? Most people don't. <laughs> There's an African proverb, a uh, person that tells the truth has no friends. Uh, Klaus and I were very skeptical about doing a new mix of the record because uh, we personally didn't usually like them, and most people don't like them. However, both uh, both him and I thought that the, um, the, the original mix, we really didn't know what we were doing that much back then, and we thought it sounded pretty boxy-sounding kind of one-dimensional boxy sounding so we were uh, we knew it could be mixed better but we didn't know whether it should be mixed uh you know a new mix be made so uh we got one track chemical warfare and well our manager found chris lord algae who um was a big fan of the band and so uh and wanted to do it so we sent him one track to see see what he could do before we even decided to do the whole record and what he came back with was uh, was we liked it. 
we liked it. So uh, we gave the go-ahead to re- uh, do a new mix of the whole thing. I don't use the word remix because nowadays that kind of means uh, adding parts or adding a drum machine and all that kind of stuff. And I want to make clear, this is, this is just a, a mix, a new mix of the original playing and the original songs. Nothing added, nothing taken away. It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, like a quartz crystal that has six sides. It's kind of like looking at the crystal, but through another facet. You, you alluded already to the fact that you guys did this on your own back when it originally came out. You were sort of, the whole, the whole band, I think, maybe chipped in, but, but uh, you're, you were kind of taking the reins as far as the production goes. How experienced were you? Uh, when you guys originally recorded this? Well, actually, in, in um, we learned our first single, California Over Alice, we learned a lot. That was actually mixed 30 times. Even though we recorded a track in one day, we mixed it 30 times. And, um, and I got to learn a lot through that. And then when we did Holiday in Cambodia, uh, we weren't liking the mixes that were coming out. So I said to the band, you know, let me, let me go to the studio by myself. Because uh, we were kind of having issues of too many cooks in the kitchen. And so I went and mixed it, uh, you know, by myself, Holiday in Cambodian police truck and brought it back to the band and they liked it. And that's the one that was put out as the single. So, uh, yeah, and then I, for the, for Fresh Fruit, um, you know, I looked around the Bay Area to find studios. I found Oliver at Mobius Music, uh, you know, book the time. I have, I have a lot of sheets, like the, the tracking sheets and I have like overdub sheets, all my writing. I kind of organize and do this stuff. Um, but ultimately, yeah, ultimately, though, it was mixed really by the three of us, uh, Oliver, myself, and, and Biafra. Though Oliver and I did most of the work, Biafra would c- come in later and, and give suggestions and, you know, kind of like being out, outside and then coming in and listening to it, have like a fresh set of ears, is what, what we say in, uh, in the studio biz. Uh, probably no sense in dancing around it. He's not been the most uh, supportive of the remaster. Uh, how, do you, how do you contend with something like that where you've got somebody who is clearly integral and a, a major part of what makes this such a, a lasting work, you know, but, but you're in a situation where there's maybe some disagreement about how to, to go forward uh, or whether well, or not to do, do something. Do you know much about our history with him? Well, well, sure. There's been a lot of uh, legal entanglements. Well, no, let's, and, put it, let's, and, let's, let's, let's do the, let's put the facts. I mean, he was, he was found guilty of defrauding the band with malice and, and he, he, he skimmed $76,000 through his record label. And he lost, and he's found guilty of fraud because he didn't pay it to us on time. And and uh, you know he's found. And after the court case, he paid it. So he's angry at us. And the other thing that came out of the court case is that the band is run de- democratically. There's four partners in the band, but he he was he was trying to make it a dictatorship. And but the courts found that you know it was a it was a democracy. So we we voted and. You know, we we vote on things now. It's majority vote. You know, and and that's that's how it runs. And I think that's that's how it should run. Run. I mean, we're actually doing way better than when we were on alternative tentacles. But uh, that's a different issue. But anyway, so he's angry, angry at us because we kind of caught his hand in the cookie jar. You mm-hmm. know, so he's mm-hmm. angry. So basically, 
I don't think he's ever said anyone it doesn't really say anything nice about Klaus DH and I in the press since he lost the case. So what can you do? I mean, actually in this little press release he does say it does he does say it's kind of warm sounding. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> that's, he doesn't that's... actually trash the record so much as he he he, he really trashes me personally, which is like which is because he can't really trash the record because people might like it and he doesn't want to be caught. And, and then he tra- trashes the process. But I mean, the, the process, that's not true. He was sent mixes. He was sent artwork. He just never responded. And then he go, then he responds in public, you know, but he was sent the stuff. And then, you know, the person, I mean, how punk is ad hominem attacks. When you were approached by the label about Chris Lord Algae re- remastering it, did you give him any sort of guidance? Did you have any like words of wisdom about what were important elements of the album for him to maintain? Or did you just give him free reign and say, you know, hey, you did a great job with Chemical Warfare. Let's see what you do with the rest of it. Well, how did it work? No, it was it was a collaboration. Um, unfortunately, uh, because of COVID, we didn't get to be in the control room with them, which would have made it go a lot faster and a lot more fun too so things were done over the internet uh basically he would he would do a mix and um then you know klaus and i would listen to it and send back notes to uh you know take little things to change um you know the uh you know the hard part with the with the band like ours uh you know we're a punk band even though we're three-piece the voice and the guitar and the snare drum are all kind of in the same range. So it's very difficult how to, uh, you know, it's very difficult to bounce them actually and keep the energy of the song. And I think he, you know, he did that. And there was little, you know, minor little overdubs and stuff that, you know, that, that we wanted, but, um, you know, so basically maybe I don't, I'd have to look, um, you know, there'd be anywhere from like five to seven mixes of each song before we uh before we'd move on to another one were there you know there it feels to me like a little bit like some of maybe some of the reverb was potentially dialed back you know uh things are things are a little bit more when you talked about creating that sense of dimensionality to it and wanting it to have like a little bit more of a a 3d feel and and it feels like that definitely was accomplished when when you guys were originally making the record i mean did you have an approach that you felt like was important at, at that <laughs> moment, you know, like, and, 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 and how did that, cha- how, or how, how has it changed over the years? Is this one of those things where you have little things bugged you about the album over the years or had you mostly let it go? And this was just a cool opportunity to re-engage with it. You know what I mean? No, actually, I'm actually, I mean, yes, there was things that bugged us about the album after, I mean, we didn't know anything. I mean, well, we know a little bit. I mean, I, I'd mixed California Uberalis and Holiday and Police Truck myself. And uh, so there was things we know. But like I said, it's very it's very hard to mix a punk band. And we didn't have, you know, years of experience. So basically, we just tried to mix it uh, as the best we can at, for the time, you know. And we did, you know, we did several mixes. I mean, I have... I have uh, uh, charts in my handwriting you know which mixes that we decided to end up using um and there was a lot of mixes basically because we were learning on the job so to speak there was a lot of mixes i think some of them went up to 20 uh but uh but you know after you know after 
you know, after it was done and, you know, you go away from it, become objective. And then, you, you know, you just, you know, you hear other bands, records and stuff, and then you come back to it. And, then, you know, uh, uh, we all thought, uh, well, most of us thought that, it, you know, it sounded a little boxy and not much low end to it. And, um, um, and that was kind of, so it kind of, you know, I kind of, at least for me and Klaus, you know, we didn't really listen to it that much because there was just such better sounding records. Uh, and so when, uh, you know, the Terry Red suggested, you know, doing a, a new version of it, it's like, we, we I think I, we talked about this before that we were skeptical, but Chris Lord Algie, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's got, I don't know, geez, 20 years experience mixing stuff. And, and he also, he also, he also has a lot of like really nice old vintage equipment and that vintage equipment, you know, adds a sparkle to it. And yeah, and I don't, and the, the reverb, I didn't, I mean, whatever he was doing was fine. He has a very sophisticated way of reverb, but basically uh, you don't really know it's there, uh, but you would know if it was taken away, which is a very, very subtle, subtle artistic thing he did. Uh, but ultimately, uh, you know, it was, it was to bring out the plane. Like I say, the, the the original tracks and the original plane, nothing was added and nothing was taken away. So you so you can you hear the thing, and like I say, from from my viewpoint, um, things are a little. You can hear the parts better, like pick out the different parts of less of a congested sound or a co constipated sound, if you will. <laughs> Have you ever gone to the record store and picked up a record and got it home, put it on your turntable, only to find that it's all hissy and it's got pops and there's smudges all over it? It's a real drag. That's the thing about vinyl. It sounds its best when you're working with a clean record. And that is why I dig Groove Washer. Their products are designed and made in Kansas City, Missouri, right here in the U.S., by people who are as passionate about music and vinyl as you are. Groove Washer offers everything you need to ensure your records sound their best with cleaning fluids for every available cleaning method, be it manual, vacuum, or ultrasonic if you want to go real in on it. We've got a special deal for Waste Toys listeners too. Head over to www.groovewasher.com and enter the discount code WASTOIDS10 to get 10% off your record cleaning supplies. That's WASTOIDS10 in all caps. Enter that at checkout at GrooveWasher.com and get 10% off everything you need to keep your vinyl clean and pristine. Thanks, GrooveWasher. Chris Lord Algae's credits list <laughs> is, uh, it's insane. I mean, there's like, we, we, we would have an easier time saying who he didn't work with, you know, who he hasn't worked with in terms of hit things. Everything from... The Rocky soundtrack, the Prince of <laughs> Batman work, to Madonna and Gaboingo, yeah. Green Day, you know. Uh, were you, you know, were you at all surprised to learn that he was uh, a big uh, Dead Kennedys fan? Uh, no, I was not because of um, because of Green Day. You know, I've, I've actually met Billy Joe at a small club and we talked for about a half hour, you know, and, so, and he was a big, big fan of Dead Kennedys. And, uh, um, you know, plus he's from the East Bay, you know, how, how cool is how cool is that? Um, so. I mean, you know, he's a mixer. I mean, that's that's what he does. He's he's in the studio. You know, that's his full time job. So you get a lot of experience and and uh, you know, actually, for my mind, uh, you know, the fact that he had variety is a good thing. 
You know, he wasn't a one-trick pony. I've done some producing in the past, producing in song uh, bands. And to me, the most, really most interesting musicians are the ones that can listen to all sorts of stuff and then kind of bring it into their work. A band only listens to one style of music, then they kind of, then it kind of, you know, it gets a lot of cliche written. I mean, one of the things when we were Dead Kings, when we were writing uh, Fresh Fruit, you know, I'd drive across the bridge and I'd listen to Merle Haggard, um, the country guy, because he's a great songwriter. You know, you learn you learn how he, you know, adds energy and tension and drama to a song. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's something that just carries over from genre to genre. It doesn't, it's not about, you know, whether or not somebody's a punk singer or a country singer or a soul singer, if you if you buy what they're selling, so to speak, musically and emotionally, then yeah, then it then it, it connects directly, which is awesome. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and 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 the DKs were one of those bands that I felt like you guys are just you were you were already in a more eclectic sort of uh, frame framework than so many other punk bands, <laughs> right? Where it's not like you guys were. Uh, uh, just, I mean, there are the four chord bashers and all of that stuff, but there's like more eclecticism. Uh, you hear it right away on fresh fruit, even, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, everybody had kind of listened to different kinds of music and then we kind of brought it in and influenced each other. And it's those, you know, the situation where two and two equals five, right. You know, some, something magical came out of it, came out of the, 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 the different elements of the stew, so to speak. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it, it, it doesn't strike me as, it's not a concept album, right, in the in the way that we use that term, but it does feel like beginning to end is the way it's meant to be listened to. Yeah, well, that's, I, I mean, I'm, one of the things that I'm really good at, and I'm proud, proud on that record, is, is I'm, it's called sequencing, what order to put the songs in. You know, so we have all the songs recorded and I have charts in, in my handwriting and, you know, different sequences and, uh, you know, in my writing. And then we, go, you know, we talked about, you know, at a band meeting, we talked about like this one. And I think we may have even like made little cassette tapes of the different orders to see how it flowed. So so the sequencing was is part of the craft. And, and, and you know, for vinyl, it's different than it is for a CD. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, because you have the break, you have the break in the middle, so you got to make different arc, you know, different arcs. But so uh, didn't miss. Did we? Did we talk about the book that that's going to come with the CD? No, but the book that includes uh, uh, essays by Dave Grohl and and Billy from Green Day, right? Well, not essays, just little quotes. It's more of quotes. I mean, artists uh, like Youth wrote an essay, and uh, actually Dexter Holland wrote an essay. And other other things are just quotes taken taken uh, from articles and stuff. But it's got photos that have not, are not common on the internet. Yeah, but that's that's so cool, and it's it's going to be that. Just sounds like a lot of care went into making sure that this was going to be uh, something that Dead Kennedys fans were were you know something that that really values the the care that you all put into making this record. It's clear that there was a lot of care. Uh, yeah. made to making sure that this new edition is going to be something that's really worth owning and really worth experiencing. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, the record label's idea, but but when Klaus and I got involved, we just, we went down the rabbit hole. 
<laughs> and and yeah, uh, yeah that's and, awesome. But, you know what came out uh, is uh, we're really proud of, and we really think it's good. And um, you know, people are going to want uh, want you know want the little booklets. And there's also the LPs, the twelve inches, also going to come out, and that's going to have the booklet in it too, but in a in a different you know twelve inch by twelve inch format instead of five five by five. Yeah. Ray, to, to, to close out this talk, do you mostly listen to music on CD or vinyl or are you a streaming guy? How do you, how do you listen to tunes the most these days? Well, actually, I still, I still have most of my library, not all of it, on an iPod. Got it. Nice. Yeah. The problem I have with streaming is, is I'd like to go out in the backwoods in California in small towns and then the Internet service is just crap. Uh, also, um, you know, I, I, I have had one or two friends that had their music library up on the Apple's, uh, iCloud and, and, and they did like, you know, they did some update and they lost, you know, Apple did there some update to make it better for you. And they, people lost their whole libraries. So, so the, the cloud is not trustworthy. They don't really, you know, they don't really care about your music for you. <laughs> they're just, you know, they're really about, you know, making money. And, uh, I mean, I have a friend that, um, from, from when I grew up high school days, that is, uh, it's kind of a, a consultant now on the internet stuff. He, he started at the well, uh, he basically was one of the kind of called the grandfather of social media in a way. And, uh, and I, you know, and he's very tech savvy and, you know, has been in it, that's his career. And, um, he says, oh yeah, I, I, I do not keep my stuff in the cloud. Yeah. Keep it, keep it, uh, <laughs> get, get it on hard, get it in physical form or as a, as a file, yes. cause you can't count on them to take care of it for you. Yeah, exactly. They, they don't care about it. And I, you know, obviously as a musician, I really care about the music I have and, and, uh, yeah they don't really care about it it's like oh even even with my ipod i still i still have it in the basement i have boxes of cds in case my heart just crash but i'm actually i guess uh don't really need to do that that much anymore because <laughs> i because i have because i have multiple copies of all the digital files you know different different hard drives here and there and stuff Thanks for listening to Wastoids, audio and video from Hello Merch. Want to get in touch? You can give us a ring at 1-877-WASTOIDS and drop us a message like this one. Yeah, I freaked the fuck out. Doesn't everyone? Check out Wastoids.com for links to Hello Merch's selection of Dead Kennedy stuff, performance videos from a bunch of incredible bands, and podcasts with members of the Butthole Surfers, Terra Mellos, Mountain Goats, and many more. Plus our regular bi-weekly shows click vortex and the spindle with mark masters and john howard we'll be back with more wastoids listening for you soon check out the sound system over at wastoids.com too all you gotta do is press play and you'll have hours and hours of wastoids audio coming your way <laughs>